We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Morning, everyone. Morning, Zoom crew. Nice to see you. Um, to be honest, I feel a bit like, follow that. Um, God's really here, isn't he? Um, and just thinking about his majesty, his awesomeness. And then what I'm going to speak about today is friendship. And I was a bit like, oh, it feels a bit little. But it's just a bit overwhelming that actually it's not little. <laughs> you know, Jesus is our friend. <laughs> the, the one who made the universe is our friend. And he designed us for friendship with him and with each other. And he uses that. <laughs> he uses us in that way to spread his goodness and his love. And so I just I have a real sense that God wants to speak to us this morning about friendship. And, sorry. So Nick last week spoke about how God had spoken to him from John 8 about freedom. And he shared that question with us. He asked us a question. Am I really living in the freedom of what Jesus has for me? And I really want to apply that question to friendship. Am I really living in the freedom of what Jesus has in my friendships? Because I think our friendships have been through a bit of a battering over the past couple of years. It's been hard to maintain connections. It's been easy to get stuck in our own head and and read things into situations that maybe we we wouldn't if we're seeing people regularly. And I I feel like God wants to do something new in friendship. I don't think he wants to take a... I think sometimes we think, oh, I just want to get back to how it was because that was nice. But God's saying, no, I've got something new for each of you. So I um, I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, would you be... Here You are here. We thank you. We pray that you'd speak to each of us as you want to, Father, that, that we would hear what you have to say for each one of us today, Father, and that would empower us to live in your freedom and not in the, the way that we want to, God. So I don't have a learning objective today. I don't even have a PowerPoint. Um, <laughs> but I believe God has something to say, so we'll see. Um, So thinking about friendship, what do we need freedom from? Like, what am I talking about in terms of things that might restrict how we relate to each other in friendships? And I think there's some obvious things that we can all list, like not forgiving people or having resentment or feeling jealous. And all of those things are very real. But I think there's some more subtle things that we need to recognize that we need freedom from. And I think one of those things is that we can be distracted by different ideas or you might call them ideals about what friendship should be. So I think those come from different sources. So there's a worldly ideal. Um, If you spend any time on social media at all and you see things like, um, my real friends will repost this post. (laughs) Or um, you see people posting things of their friends and sometimes you get the impression, Oh, that there's a real need to show off that friendship there because actually that's where, that's where they get their, their value. There's that sense of, actually, if I can prove that this thing um, is good and everyone's enjoying it and it's happy, then that, that's what friendship's about. Um, and we can end up looking for those ideas and we can miss the joy and beauty of our friends. And if I'm honest, I think sometimes 
in church and in Christian culture, we can have ideals about what friendship should be as well. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to look at, you know, what makes a good friend, how we can serve each other, all of those things. But actually, I, for myself, sometimes I've built up a picture of what a friendship should be like, and then I feel restricted by that. So I can't... I can't accept my friend in their kind of messiness because I think, well, no, this is how we should be relating because that's a, a godly friendship. And I think all of those kind of tenets of godly friendship that we might identify, so accountability, being sacrificial, um, mutuality, so it being both ways, giving time to each other, all of these things are really excellent things and we should look to bring them to friendships. I think the point I'm making is that if that becomes an ideal, if that becomes the thing that we're looking for, we miss the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our friendships, to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to minister to our friends and actually do what he wants to do in their lives, not what we want to do. And it, it can cause us to judge people, I think, sometimes. And I, I guess my, my feeling is we need to take a step back from that and say, God, in this friendship, what do you want to do? Spirit, what is the freedom you're bringing for this person and what, what's my part of that? Um, and also, I think there is nostalgia can be another thing that can hold us back. Um, friendships evolve over the years, don't they? And I was thinking back to some friendships we had when we were first married and the fun we used to have and, and going out. And obviously now we, we all have children and, or some of us have children and, and actually doing those really fun, wild things is not really possible. And I, I think a sense of nostalgia for, oh, that was great when we used to, to have that kind of friendship um, can hold us back from, from what needs to happen now and what God wants to do now. Um, so thinking about this journey of friendship that we have with each other, there's a beautiful freedom that God wants for us. And I think we see glimpses of this in how Jesus was with his friends. And I don't often think about Jesus's friends. Like, well, sometimes when I think about the disciples in my head, they're like his, uh, his kind of support crew or his work bunch. Um, because they, you know, he followed them. He, sorry, they followed him. He was their leader, but actually, their, self, their kind of primary function was to be his friends. And I've never really kind of had a good look at those interactions that you see in the gospel. Because sometimes you, you, know, you pull out the lesson on you know, how we should be. But actually, I spent some time looking at how Jesus talked to his friends and how he interacted with them. And, and you can see that freedom from the Holy Spirit, that ability to um, bring what God has motivated by compassion rather than anything else um so if i can i have john 12 1 to 3 up on the thingy okay so i'll read it to you as well six days before the passover jesus came to bethany where lazarus lived whom jesus had raised from the dead here a dinner was given in jesus's honor so that's something we do for our friends, isn't it? Sometimes we do them a special dinner. We might be their birthday or just because. Um, so Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, often when we look at this passage, we focus on that kind of important symbolic moment where Mary pours out the nards on his feet, the perfume. But I just find it really interesting looking at the characters here. So we've got Martha who's serving. That's kind of her character. We know her as the server. 
We've got Lazarus, who's just he's reclining at the table, he's chilling out. You know, there's a relaxed atmosphere here. They sound like they're, they're having fun. Um, but it's in this context that this really important moment happens. And it just kind of shows that in those normal times with our friends, in those things that don't seem kind of spiritually significant, those can be the points at which the Holy Spirit does something. Those can be the points at which Jesus, um, yeah, this is the point at which Jesus, you know, has this amazing moment that we all remember, but it's just in the context of hanging out with his friends. And I think we need to remember to enjoy each other and, and take that time together and, and not see it as a kind of uh, bonus extra. It's something we need to prioritize because actually God can work in that time just as much as he, he can right here now. The other thing that struck me um, is the, the kind of variety of the way in which Jesus interacts with his friends. He knows different individuals and he knows their needs. Um, and he can be, you know, quite blunt and direct, but he, he can also be incredibly gentle. Maybe at times where, I don't know, I would be tempted to, you know, bring a, a harsh truth. There's a, there's a gentle coaxing back to kind of life and fullness that he does. Um, so if I can have um, Luke 10 up, please. Um, so this is another Mary, Martha and Lazarus moment. Um, so we know that they were friends of Jesus. Um, and this is again quite a famous passage. So Jesus has come to eat with them. Um, so uh, let me read it all. Um, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I just find that really interesting. I'm like, wow, she, she was that close with Jesus. Jesus, that she was like, tell my sister to help me do the washing up. Um, and it kind of illustrates, yeah, that, that kind of, nothing is too small or insignificant. He, you know, there's no barrier there. There was no kind of, um, oh, this is the big teacher. I, I can't tell him about how I'm feeling. She felt comfortable to share that with Jesus. And it makes me think about the things that maybe I don't feel comfortable to share with my friends. That actually, even if it seems like a small thing, it, it has the power to unlock something. Because if we, we see in Jesus' response, um, so he says to her, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's, a, there's such an affection in that, isn't there? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. He recognizes what's going on for her, and he gently tells her, actually, this is the thing you should be focusing on. And another example of that um, is when Jesus restores Peter. So Peter denied Jesus three times um, just before he was crucified. And that well, was, must have been devastating for Peter, you know, absolutely just a, a destroying moment. Um, he did something, you know, shameful and bad that I think... Um, I don't think I can quite get my head around what 
that must have felt like having walked with Jesus for three years and then just denying him because it was a bit scary. And I think that I would imagine, if I think about how we think about friendship and, and talking to each other when something's been done wrong, that there would be quite a, you know, direct Jesus. Uh, sorry, Pete, from Jesus. Peter, you, you denied me, but I forgive you. <laughs> but he knows what Peter needs to equip him for the next stage of what God has for him. And that's not what he brings. He restores Peter gently. Um, it's in John 21, verse 15 to 17. He, he, tells, he asks Peter if he loves him. And then he just says, and when Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you, he tells him to feed his sheep. And it's a kind of, uh, it's a bit of a metaphor, not metaphorical conversation, but it's, it's, a, it's not a kind of clear, I'm, I'm forgiving you conversation, but Peter knew what he was saying, and that's exactly what he needed at that time. And I think the point that I take from that is that actually I need to stop and think, Holy Spirit, what is it that this person needs in this moment? Whether it's something that needs forgiving, whether there's a history there, whether there's a sense of shame, actually we can be people who restore as Jesus restored um, and maybe not be tempted to just rush in with what we can obviously see because actually often that person obviously sees that themselves but the blunt approach might be the right thing to do but it might not and we need that Holy Spirit um, awareness of what God is wanting to do. Um, so on to serving. Um, Jesus just had such a servant heart with his friends. So if we look at John 13, verse 1 to 5, um, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, um, and I love this little part of, of that passage, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And wrapped up with that washing of their feet, you know, that, that the most menial of tasks that he was glad to do for his friends is just this statement of just how consistent that love was all the way through his life, that that was how he interacted with them. That was his basis for being with them. And that's the attitude that we need to take into each of our friendships, whether it's a, a long-standing one or a brand new one or one that's just getting born. Um, he gives himself to the task without expecting anything in return. Now, we sometimes feel friendship is about equality, um, that it has to be both ways. And there is a truth in that. It, there does need to be some form of reciprocation. But I think what we can take from Jesus is that servant heart, that actually the only thing that, that I can give is what I can give. I can't force you to, to meet me, but I'll, I'll keep giving. I'll keep serving, even if it costs me and it costs you nothing. And it helps us as we kind of recognise the journey our friendships go through, that there will be different seasons that you are able to invest more at different times. And that's okay. And I know that I can sometimes get annoyed if I feel like I'm putting a lot into a, a relationship or friendship and, and someone else is not reciprocating. But part of dying to ourselves is that giving without expectation of return. So I want to be somebody who's a blesser in every friendship rather than focusing on what I'm receiving and whether it's fair. And for some of us, actually, that receiving part is difficult because we feel we need to give back. You know, we know our responsibility to the friendship. Maybe we can't just take. Um, or if someone gives to us, we think, okay, I'll, they've done that for me. I, I need to remember that so that I can, I can help them in their time of need. Um, 
but there was a difficult time for us, for me and my family, a few years ago. Um, and our kind of small group at the time really supported us in so many ways, practically, spiritually, emotionally. And it took a while to realize that actually that wasn't just blessing me, that it was blessing them in deep, grace-filled ways, and that actually being able to receive from them was part of God's plan for that friendship. That was the freedom of the Holy Spirit, was being able to relax into receiving and not feeling like, oh, okay, I'll give that back at some point. Or think, no, 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 you've given too much. That'll do for now. Actually, there's, the, there's no limit on how much we should allow our friends to love us or to give to us. And if that's difficult for you, then I'd just, yeah, be asking God to help you to recognize that actually receiving isn't just about you. <laughs> it's about blessing the other person as well. Um, so thinking about the way that Jesus built support and trust with his friends um, I'm always struck by that moment as Jesus is dying on the cross in John 19 26 to 27 he asks his friend John to take Mary his mother as his mother to look after her and it says that from that point on she lived with John in his house and um, just wow the level i know that there was a cultural thing there probably in terms of looking after family and making sure that they were cared for but i just think that's beautiful that there's a level of being able to trust his friend to look after the most precious thing um and i want my friends to be able to trust me in that way and it, it makes me think about what how do i need to be that actually they can have that freedom to trust me in that really deep way um, also, it shows how Jesus was just occupied by compassion right to the last. You know, he was in absolutely awful pain, you know, aware of what, what was about to happen in terms of separation from his father. But his, his thought was for his mother. And, and that's, <laughs> that's really beautiful, I think. Um, so the final thing I want to look at in terms of Jesus's relationship with his friends was how he prayed for them. And it, it says multiple times that he prayed for them. Um, and it also says that he prayed with his disciples. So in Luke 9, verse 18, it says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, which I find really interesting, um, that the disciples were with him in that most private place, that there was no separation at that point. Um, because in my head, that's him going off on his own. But they were right there. And I think that demonstrates a closeness. They were part of his in private. And I find that really challenging because actually I don't think my friends are always part of my in private. <laughs> I think I want to step back and have a little bit of space and you know, not necessarily let everyone into those or let my close friends into those thoughts that maybe I just need time and space to process. But actually, there's a, I think there's a safety that we need to look for and cultivate in friendships that allows that that space for us to really share at that deep level um, and there's so much more we could talk about in terms of jesus's friendship so i just encourage you to have a look at those stories in a different way and think about those characters and what they must have been feeling and thinking and actually seeing them as you know real that they're people who had real experiences with jesus um, and we can learn a lot from them um, so what do we need Jesus' freedom for? Why do we need this um, kind of sense of the Holy Spirit being right there in the centre of our friendships? Why is it significant? Um, 
Well, clearly, Jesus wasn't just a normal man. He wasn't just a normal person. Um, and an interesting question I was pondering is, could he have done what he was sent to do without his friends? And I, I, I daren't answer that question because I don't really know. Um, you know, he's God, so he can do anything he likes. But certainly, his friends and, and the different um, characters we see are incredibly significant in his story. They're not kind of side parts. They're, they're, they're part of the story of Jesus. They're part of the gospel. And we know a bit about some of them. We know about their quirks, their characters, their backgrounds, their differences. So whoever wrote the gospels, the, the people who wrote the gospels really felt it was important to include them and include this detail about those little interactions, about um, what they were like. Um, so friendship is, is clearly an important thing. And actually, their friendship was with Jesus was the, the point from which Jesus, which God built his church throughout the world. So while we can't answer that question, you know, did Jesus need them? They, they certainly needed him and they certainly needed each other. As Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, it was that unity and that bond that had been built that meant that, that God could build his church throughout the world. They were together a lot. After Jesus died, in their grief, they were together. They were together as they awaited the Holy Spirit. There was a closeness that Jesus had forged among his friends that wasn't driven by obligation or um, ease or convenience. It was driven by what Jesus had deposited in them. So I want the Holy Spirit to fill my friendships. I want to be part of the story of God moving in my friends' lives. And you might be hearing this and thinking, yeah, that's, that's really obvious. <laughs> that's how I do it anyway. Um, but maybe ask God to put his finger on a friendship where maybe you've given up. Maybe it hasn't fit the kind of ideal of what a, a friendship should look like. Um, and maybe you've thought, okay, well, just, I'll just put that one to one side then. I won't really bother. <laughs> I want you to ask God what, what he wants you to do. How does he want you to be? Ask, ask his Holy Spirit into that that situation. You might be thinking, help, I don't really have any close friends in this church. This, this closeness you're talking about isn't something that I can relate to. I'm too shy. Um, I just want to pray now that God will give you an opportunity to build with someone today, to begin that journey of friendship, because this, it's there for all of us. It's in God's plan for each of us to have that closeness that helps us to become more like him. You might be thinking, oh, this is, yeah, all very nice, great ideas, but you don't know what that person has done or how long they've acted in this way towards me. And I believe God wants to bring freedom in those difficult friendships that just seem to cause conflict and strife <laughs> over many years. And I think, you know, we've probably all been in those kinds of friendships. And there is a point at which we say, okay, I need to step out of this. This is not good for me. But I think sometimes we can be quick to step away when actually God has more for us. So if that's you, then, then be asking God, okay, what, what's next for this relationship? What, what do you have for me? And it might be the answer is actually no, nothing. <laughs> Leave that one. But be asking him. The reality is we're all wonderfully different. Um, so our connections with each other are going to look completely different. Um, depending on who we are. There's going to be many forms and expressions. 
But thinking back to before Christmas, I spoke about unity and the one thing that should be consistent is that our connection is Jesus. He's our basis. He's our point at which we come to know each other. Um, and anything else is not, is not okay. So what's the source for our friendship? We, we've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our guide and our conscience. It's him that allows us to be conduits of God's grace to our friends. And he sets the pattern for how we are to love each other, as, as we've seen in those stories about Jesus. He, he demonstrates it and then he gives us the power to actually do it. We're not there to change our friends. We're not there to make them behave differently or fix things in their lives. That's for God to do. We're there to be the people that encourage and, and help people to accept the work of Jesus in their lives. We can be a good influence. We can be a helpful provocation, but it's got to be God that does the work. We need God's compassion. We're not trying to emulate an ideal. So I just want to leave you with this verse from Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.